0: We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Cascading Leadership. I am your friendly neighborhood talent nerd, Dr. Jim. LB absolutely loves my intro. He is laughing already, so we're off to a great start.
1: And uh, I am your other host, Lawrence Brown, otherwise known as LB. And I really couldn't even help it this time. It was hilarious. (laughs) Hello, LB. Hello, sir.
0: The overarching theme of the show is building an innovation culture through trust. And with us today to talk about the topic, we have our featured guest.
2: Hi, thank you for having me here. This is a great initiative, Jim and Lawrence. I'm thrilled to be part of the podcast. My name is Divya Sharma, and I'm a Global Software Validation Manager and a board member of ASQ Software Division. Excited to be here.
0: We're thrilled to have you you with us. And we'll get into more of the details a little bit later, but I want to set the stage a a little bit in terms of your background, Divya. You and I have known each other for quite a while and You've been part of some pretty significant transformations across a handful of organizations that, that you've worked at. So you're coming into this conversation with a, a, a particular set of experiences when it comes to establishing really high-performing teams and also driving innovation through those efforts. So it's going to be a great conversation that, that we're going to have. Super excited to have you on. I want to dig into like how you got to where you are. So let's rewind it back and talk a little bit about your early life and background and how that shaped your career trajectory going forward. Definitely.
2: So, I was born in a very middle class family back in India, and I was raised there. My dad was chief manager in a bank, and because he was working in a bank, so his job was a transferable job where we never stayed in one location more than a year. And when I say like location, I'm talking about like very rural, very small towns where even my school was like 30 miles, 40 miles away. So you do know that what happens? Because till I was 11, I was in those kind of schools. I never had English education. So my education, initial education system was always in Hindi, the native language of India. So at the age of 11, we moved back to a city and I we stayed there for two years. So my the first shock, like of your as a kid that kind of came in for me was that I was asked to repeat fifth grade one more time. And the reason was that I was uh, it's it wasn't because I failed or I was not a good student. It was because I didn't meet that criteria, the syllabus criteria of English. Well, that came as a mom like in a big blow. But uh, okay, I studied for two years and then my dad got transferred to Fiji. So. It was a very different environment, very different locations, and it was definitely one of those aha moments that I told you that I had in my life. It was life-changing moment. At the same time, it was it was scary. The reason being, I was not like you know good in the in, good in the language, but that was the mode of communication, and uh, so it was very difficult for a teenager, especially when the, the year when you are in, you're so self-conscious, you're scared, you're worried that everything that you do, you're being embarrassed about everything. And that was the time I had to deal with that situation. So I was going through, so the reason I'm telling you this story is that because I want to set the stage and say, you know, how I, what are the characteristics that I developed, how they ended up like happening into my life. I was living that moment where I didn't know the language. I wasn't doing very well. I didn't have any friends. My parents could see it. So this is how I feel like. Who we are as a person is influenced by our surrounding and our family. Your character, the character that we form at a very young age, it's your family plays a very crucial and important part in it. And that's something similar happened with me. While I was going through that moment, I very well remember my mom spent, she used to spend a lot of time with me just to make sure that I come out of that phase and I get I become a little bit happy. She did everything to cheer me up, but Things weren't really working out for me. So out of blue, like one day, she just shared one story with me. And the story was like this. There was this alcoholic carpenter who had two sons. After they grew up, one became empty of the organization and the other became just like a carpenter and an alcoholic like him. So people started asking him about why you have two kids and they are so different from each other. So the one who became MD, he said, I became because of my dad. The second said the same thing. So nobody could understand. He was like, because I saw my dad in that situation, I decided I'm never going to touch alcohol and I want to change my life. The other said, I only saw my dad doing Drinking, so I thought this is my life, and I'm gonna become like him. So she told me like how we see things, what perception we hold, what direction we go. Like you want to see life in a positive vibe or a negative vibe. It's all in your head. She went out of my room. I don't know what happened but that day. I decided that I want to change my life. I want to become very determined. I like started having uh, determination and grit, and that's where that characteristic formed. And so that day, it's very fresh in my memory.
0: That's some fantastic backstory. And actually, it's great that you tie that into the conversation that you had with your mom, because that's, you talk about your environment, culture, parent, those are all factors that shape your character. But ultimately, I think the big lesson that you're hitting at is that everybody at some point has some level of choice on what direction they want to go and yeah. it's a matter of figuring out or at least having some sort of trigger to shape that direction and then and pursuing it so it's it's great that that your mom flushed that out for you so i want to go back a little bit so you moved around a lot as a young kid and then being indian i obviously have to ask this You had to repeat fifth grade, so that in and of itself, in an Indian family, is that—that's a difficult conversation to to, to engage in. And then you move to Fiji, so all of these sort of—I don't—I don't don't want to make too big of a deal, but those are big shifts or big signposts. How did that? How did all of those things sort of shape or crystallize your go-forward vision as you were going through
2: it? It definitely taught me adaptability you're moving from one country to another where the culture is so different and you move to a different place so example in india you're like study study and fiji you play play. that's the major difference very laid-back society fiji it's a very tourist place we didn't have any tv no cable nothing so the only more of entertainment entertainment was like either you go on a beach, like for a picnic, or you spend time with like cycling, playing tennis and outside chit-chatting with your friends. So that was the only form of, so what happened is, you know, what it actually did, it brought our family very close together because we were like, we're just seeing each other. There was nothing, no other way to entertain yourself. So definitely it really made us closer, but at the same time, it made me like, think, okay, Fiji culture is so different. You relax, you enjoy You're happy, basically. That culture taught me to be happy. It doesn't matter how things are going, but at the end of the day, everything will work out as it tend to be. So that was a major learning.
1: It sounds like, Divya, that the other element that I was thinking about when I was listening to your story is when you describe the story of what your mother had shared with you about the, uh, the father and the two sons, that you also made a decision. One, it shows me that you have a good amount of resilience too, right? all the all of the moving, having the academic setback early in your life. And then your mother actually seeing and being aware enough to tell you the story. And it worked, right? I think it gave you that, it gave you that resilience to move forward. The question I have for you is, so what is what does Divya's life look like in that next phase when you had that epiphany? And then what happened from there?
2: So I spent a good amount of time there. We stayed in Fiji for around seven years and then moved back to India. So when I came back to India, so most of the Indian culture and gym, you will probably relate to this. You only, they think of only becoming doctors and engineers. So these are the only two career paths that like I want for you. Same thing was for me. My dad thought I'm going to be, he wanted me to become a doctor. I wasn't that intelligent. I wasn't like, wow. I can be one, but it's like they really wanted me to go in that direction. But when I came back to India, I realized that the education difference was so much like what I they were teaching back in Fiji. They already taught, like, for example, what I learned in 12th grade in senior year in Fiji, they actually taught that in 10th grade in India. So there was two years of that and I couldn't fulfill it. It was, I was struggling so my parents also saw me with that struggle it's like I was really trying hard I was starting like 16 hours 18 hours giving my all input but I wasn't meeting that criteria so that's when my dad like and I was doing my bachelor's in science and microbiology and I was also studying for pre-exam for a medical entrance exam and that's when my dad decided okay I think this is not the career path that she will fit in and he said Maybe you need to take a new direction. And he said, like, maybe you should try hotel management. And this is something that nobody had heard of in my family. It was a very new stream. A degree in hotel management, like who does that? And especially in the 80s and 90s, what are these what are these guys are, like my what's my parents are talking about? So it was very new. And my even my extended families weren't like, really supporting of it. But it's my dad who pushed me and supported so in fact with the time i have realized something for about myself is i can make good decisions about project i can make decisions about my kids my teams everything but it comes to any decisions making about myself personally i give up i get really confused and i don't know where to go what to do so it's it was my dad who made a decision and pushed me to go in that direction but until today i feel that was the best decision that he took on my behalf like he took for me the reason being, I went in half-heartedly in the hotel management. And in that institute, I learned everything, but I learned nothing. So there, you, you know, it taught you real-life challenges. It taught me to leave my ego outside the door. So there is this 6 months training program in hotel management, like institute, where for six months, you have to spend uh, in your five-star properties. like And you do food and beverage department. You spend time in housekeeping. Kitchen, front desk, all the departments have major departments in a hotel. You have to spend like a month or so. So I ended up working as a waiter. I managed events. I was a bartender. I was a kitchen porter. Whatever you can think of. Like in, in as a housekeeper, I ended up cleaning the toilets. You clean up the lobby. Your shifts are more than 12 hours. You get yelled at in front of everyone. Basically, you learn to have a nerve of steel when you go to a hotel management. And that industry not just teaches you, the, it teaches you the skills that you cannot learn anywhere. It teaches me, it taught me about leadership, respect, empathy, communication, being patient. Um, basically, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have to have a smile on your face. So I, I remember because I'm a left handy, so I used to serve water with, um, it. they teach you to serve water with right hand, but out of logic. I have this habit of doing everything by left hand. I was serving the water from my left hand and my supervisor yelled at me in front of like hundreds of guests who taught you that. How did you end ended up going into a hotel management Institute in front of so many people when he did that, you still can't do anything. You, I had to hold my tears and I was still smiling. Just apologize. And then move on. So, so
0: there's a lot to unpack in that story. I think, I think for our listeners, when, if they might be listening and wondering what's the big deal about pouring water from your left hand. And I'll relate this to some of my experience too. So I'm ambidextrous, but I think early on when I was growing up, I was probably fully left-handed and that mm-hmm. in India, culturally left-handedness is considered in some circles as unclean. So yeah. you're not supposed to do anything with uh, with your left hand in in are in or around people and where I tie this in Divya this you'll chuckle at this so when I was young I was I was in boarding school so my parents moved to Delhi and I was in Kerala and I had to spend a couple of years in boarding school and in boarding school in India it's not boarding school like U.S. like it's where a country club people hang out here boarding school in India is child prisons or at least that's what I thought it was and and this was a Catholic boarding school, so you got the double whammy there. So one one evening, we're sitting at these communal tables for dinner, and I'm I'm probably like three or four or five or something like that, pretty young kid, and I'm eating with my left hand, and I had a nun come by and whack me on my knuckles with a ruler because I was eating with my left hand. Where I'm where this is interesting is that even today, like sometimes if people are watching me at dinner, I'll constantly be switching my utensils in my hand because neither hand is comfortable because of that early left-handedness stuff that happened i don't know if this entire story is going to get into the show but it it's pretty interesting that you mentioned that and and i think it's important to draw that context out about why are you getting yelled at about pouring water out of the left hand
2: you you should do the same the reason i like i can relate to it because i'm in the same i was in the same situation i was writing from like my left hand and i beat on my knuckles yep yep And I was taught to write from right hand. So I'm also ambidextrous, but it's so difficult for me to keep shifting. So some things I can only do with right hand, something I can only do with my left hand.
0: Yeah. The way that I look at it is that anything that involves supervision, so school related things, I'm right handed, but all my sports related stuff where you didn't have somebody like watching you, I'm naturally left handed. So it's a, it's an interesting
1: tidbit. I don't know if we should not put it in because I think it's an interesting element about societies, right? So what you all are describing, my wife, who is Haitian, actually went through the same experience. So she, yeah, she, it's the exact same story, right? Where she is naturally left handed. She does everything else right handed. And I see her struggle going back and forth throughout the time that I've known her. And I'm one of these people, you know, this about me, right? Like I just buck the system and I'm like, stop doing that. Do you like, this is who you are. right? But it's really an important element about family and society and the impact that it has on us. And the question I was going to ask Divya was, is that as we're going through those different elements and we're talking about high performance teams, and we're probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I hear, and you use this word, empathy, right? It sounds like that's what helped to create a healthy amount of empathy for you that I would imagine has helped to Develop who you are and who you are as a leader.
2: It does definitely empathy doesn't mean that you know you actually start thinking exactly like what other person is feeling, but it's more about you can sense it. Like sometimes, for example, just for an example, if you say somebody dies in someone's family and you say, "I feel for you," right? Or okay, no, that's not true. If you not have gone through that uh, experience, you cannot feel for me. I don't call that as an empathy. Empathy is I'm here for you. If you need any help, you know what you're going through. I don't feel it, but I'm here for you. If you need any support, that's what empathy means for me. And that's what actually taught me, like during those years, that you have different types of customers, different guests who are coming in. You, I don't feel what they're going through, but I'm there to help them. I'm like you know what we were taught is your customer is king. So do whatever. To make them feel comfortable.
0: One of the other things that when I'm listening to your story about going through the hotel restaurant management program, some of what you described was pretty toxic. And I'm curious how that shaped your leadership and management style going forward, because that had to impact you. If you're conditioned in that environment to take the abuse and still keep a smile on your face, there's some downstream impacts in terms of how that's going to shape. How you lead people. So tell us a little bit about how that played a role in how you lead going forward.
2: What I feel is the person who is abusing you or who is yelling at you, he must be going through something in his life. That's how I feel. Is you're spending like 14 hours standing. You are in the. It's a very uncomfortable situation. You are in this high heels, high shoes and you're walking you're walking miles and miles in the hotel but you don't get time to sit right so at the end of the day you start empathizing you start you feel the sympathy you feel the pain he's not that the person who is yelling at me is not the one I'm also in the same situation what happens is you decide like at the end of the day it's up to me I decided I'm not going to be like that the other person can that person can yell at me can abuse me but I'm not going to be like that I need to keep calm. So the one thing that I learned from is I can have patience. This phase will also pass through.
1: Yeah, Divya, when you when you were describing that, the so you went through the hotel management program, what was the next step in the next iteration of your life?
2: I was working in my my 6 months of internship program. There is a company Unilever, like it's a very famous company. From England. Junior Lever has an office in India. So they had this sales conference. They were having the sales conference in my hotel and I was part of this event management. So I was asked to manage their conference for a week. I did the management. I was making sure I have all the knowing their, all the participants' names and making sure they feel comfortable, taking care of this their food and all these supplies and everything. So after three months, the VP, the Vice President of that Unilever, he said we would like to have the meeting back in this hotel, but we would like Divya to, to manage it. But I was not in the f at that point of the time, in the food and beverage department, to manage an event. I was in the kitchen department, and he was like, if she's not the one managing it, he told my general manager, if she's not the one managing it, we are gonna go and go to the other another property of your hotel. So that was like a very like eye opening and. Uh, it was a learning experience for me where I ended up learning like whatever work you do, you give your 110% to it so that people like for you. When he left, like I I ended up managing the second conference also, but he, when he left, he actually gave me his card and he told me that we we'll have finish up your education. I would like you to finish up your MBA in Sales and Marketing and reach out back to me. I never did, but that gives me some confidence and boost up your morale like, and that was more like a learning experience for me also like where I learned whatever you do it doesn't matter you like the task you don't like it but give your best sure.
0: that's a really good story and lesson and mindset that that it helped you frame so how did that shape how you move forward into your future roles. And really, one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about, and I'm sure our uh, our listeners are too, how does somebody that starts off in hotel restaurant management end up in technology and doing all of these transformation efforts throughout their careers? Tune in next time to Cascading Leadership for the answer to this question and more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at Jim at CascadingLeadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.